Alright guys, uh, good morning, happy Wednesday, um, hope you're doing well, it's been another uh, tough couple days here in our country, um, I hope you're staying safe and uh, miss you guys. Alright, let's um, go back to where we left off yesterday where Jonathan has returned and uh, he's now the teacher teaching the young students how to fly. And uh, here we go. And his students would be asleep, exhausted from the day's flying. They liked the practice because it was fast and exciting and it fed a hunger for learning that grew with every lesson. But not one of them, not even Fletcher Lindgall, had come to believe that the flight of ideas could possibly be as real as the flight of wind and feather. Your whole body, from wingtip to wingtip, Jonathan would say other times, is nothing more than your thought itself in a form you can see. Break the chains of your thought and you break the chains of your body too. But no matter how he said it, it sounded like pleasant fiction and they needed more sleep. It was only a month later that Jonathan said the time had come to return to the flock. We're not ready said Henry Calvin Gall. We're not welcome. We're outcast. We can't force ourselves to go where we're not welcome, can we? We're free to go where we wish and to be what we are, Jonathan answered, and he lifted from the sand and turned east toward the home grounds of the flock. There was brief anguish among his students, for it is the law of the flock that outcasts never returns and the law had not been broken once in 10,000 years. The law said stay. Jonathan said go. And by now he was a mile across the water. If they waited much longer, he would reach a hostile flock alone. Well, we don't have to obey the law if we're not part of the flock, do we? Fletcher said rather, self rather self-consciously. Besides, if there's a fight... We'll be a lot more help there than here. And so they flew in from the west that morning, eight of them in a double diamond formation, wingtips almost overlapping. They came across the flock's council beach at 135 miles per hour. Jonathan in the lead, Fletcher smoothly at his right wing, Henry Calvin struggling gamely at his left. Then the whole formation rolled slowly to the right as one bird, level to inverted to level, the wind whipping over them all. The squawks and grockles of everyday life in the flock were cut off as though the formation were a giant knife and 8,000 gall eyes watched without a single blink. One by one, each of the eight birds pulled sharply upward into a full loop and flew all the way around to a dead slow stand-up landing on the sand. Then, as though this sort of thing happened every day, Jonathan Siegel began his critique of the flight. To begin with, he said with a wry smile, you were all a bit late on the join-up. It went like lightning through the flock, 
Those birds are outcast, and they have been re- and they have returned, and that that can't happen. Fletcher's predictions of battle melted into the flock's confusion. Well, sure, okay, they're outcast," said some of the younger gulls. But hey, man, where did you learn to fly like that? It took almost an hour for the word of the elder to pass through the flock. Ignore them. The gall who speaks to an outcast is himself outcast. The gall who looks upon an outcast breaks the law of the flock. Gray-feathered backs were turned upon Jonathan from that moment onward, but he didn't appear to notice. He held his practice sessions directly over the council beach and for the first time began pressing his students to limit their ability. Martin Gall, he shouted across the sky. You say you know low-speed flying. You know nothing till you prove it. Fly. So quiet little Martin William Siegel, startled to be caught under his, instruction, under his instructor's fire, surprised himself and became a wizard of low speeds. In the lightest breeze, he could curve his feathers to lift himself without a single flap of wing from sand to cloud and down again. Likewise, Charles Roland Gall flew the great mountain wind to 24,000 feet, came down blue from the cold, thin air, amazed and happy, determined to go still higher tomorrow. Fletcher Seagull, who loved aerobatics, like no one else, conquered his 16-point vertical slow roll, and the next day topped it off with a triple cartwheel, his feathers flashing white sunlight to a beach from which more than one furtive eye watched. Every hour was there, every hour, Jonathan was there at the side of each of his students, demonstrating, suggesting, pressuring, guiding. He flew with them through night and cloud and storm, for the sport of it, while the flock huddled miserably on the ground. When the flying was done, the students relaxed in the sand, and in time they listened more closely to Jonathan. He had some crazy ideas that they couldn't understand, but then he had some good ones that they could. Gradually, in the night, another circle formed around the circle of students, a circle of curious gulls, listening in the darkness for hours on end, not wishing to be seen, not wishing to be seen of one another, fading away before daybreak.